What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, happy Tuesday, everybody. Do have a couple games going on today. Monmouth VMI at 1 p.m. Rutgers and Lafayette at 3. And then Bucknell and Penn State at 4 p.m. Uh, that is the most intriguing one of the day, uh, and I'll, we'll get to that one as well as UMass and Vermont, a 1 p.m. Wednesday matchup. We'll get to those two, uh, preview those a little bit here at the end of the show, but wanted to start off talking about uh, a couple teams normally don't talk about a lot on here. Well, I guess one we do in a sense, uh, have talked about on here, but and, and let's start with that first. So if you listen to this on Tuesday, by now, you've probably seen the article that I've put out, must watch teams as the mid-season approaches. I uh, believe next week is uh, the mid, like next Wednesday is, is technically like 50 or 40 something days until uh, 46 days until uh, the last regular season game, and it will be like 51 games from the start of the season, or 51 days, excuse me, from the start of the season. So um, it, about mid-season, we're approaching next week. Conference play for the majority of teams uh, will have be, will have been underway for at least a week this time next week. Uh, will the MAC, the NEC, and I wanna I don't think the SOCON or the ASUN start neither of them start till April. Um or last week of March, first week of April. Uh, but I think the MAC, the ASUN, uh the MAC, the NEC and the CAA, I believe, um have teams I don't think all of them do, but have teams starting conference play this week. And then of course the Ivy League uh starts conference play this week. That's the that's the big one. Uh, Big Ten starts, I want to say, in two weeks is when the Big Ten starts. So, you know, conference play getting underway for a lot of uh, for a lot of teams here over the next few weeks or so. Uh, and did a little article looking at some of the you know five teams that I called must watch teams and. Multitude of reasons why I I, I I added those or put those on the list. Um, the one being they're just a fun team to watch, um, or they're more intriguing than some others. Uh, there's many different ways that you could uh, justify putting the five teams on this list that I have on there. There's so many teams uh, that I considered adding to this list that uh, did not make it. Uh, due to you know, one reason or another, or just wanted to put another team over them. One team that I mentioned in here is Drexel. And I don't know if y'all have been looking or not, but, you know, Drexel started uh, pretty bad. Losses to UMBC and Lafayette to start the season. But since then, they have won four straight, beating Albany. 14 to 12, LIU 10 to 8, and St. Joseph's 18 to 17. They beat Marquette 
11 to 10 last Saturday. That St. Joe's game was a Tuesday uh, night game, so they go two and zero last week. And uh, if you remember last year, this is a team they lost two games, Delaware and UMass, and they had beaten Towson in the opener, but they lose to Delaware, lose to UMass. And this is a team that did not lose again until they faced Notre Dame in the first round. And they came within two goals of beating that Irish team. With the exception of Lee Bowering and Colin Mailman, this team returned everybody and uh, Jemiah Coates at the faceoff dot. With the exception of those three guys, this team returned the majority of their production from a year ago. Uh, the biggest returner, Ross Blumthal in Cage, or Blumenthal in Cage, uh, who was absolutely fantastic a year ago. Now, in, interesting about the past two games for Drexel is they have gone away from Blumenthal and gone with Drew McGill, freshman out of Mountain Brook, Alabama. Um, he's been phenomenal uh, here in the early going. He played the second half against Lafayette and against Albany. Gets the start there um, against St. Joe's, which was, I believe, the, that was this week. Okay, so he okay. does not play against LIU, gets the start against St. Joe's. And McGill has done really good here through his first two starts. Um, not, I wouldn't say spectacular. Um, of course, that uh, St. Joseph's game was one where the Dragons faced a onslaught, if you will. Um, there, he had 34% save percentage on the day there, but uh, still get the win, 18 to 17. And that's a St. Joseph's team where. Know Zach Cole, they get the possession a lot, and Drexel is really, really pathetic at the faceoff dot uh, at, at this point in the season they've been. Uh, but then he has a sixty percent save percentage, fifteen saves against Marquette. A really, really strong effort in that one eleven to ten victory in double overtime, and he had really, if you've seen the clip, uh, makes a really big save there in that double overtime period, uh, which then turns into a goal on the other end from Max Simple, a uh, redshirt freshman uh, transfer from Jacksonville, and probably the next great uh, British Columbia Coquitlam native uh, to suit up for the Drexel Dragons, 17 points for him. So this is a Drexel team. You're seeing some young guys get some playing time. Um, here, uh, and also some veterans. Jack uh, Mulcahy is a senior leading the way. Sean Donnelly, uh, the redshirt sophomore, there as the second leading scorer. Aiden Cole, Ryan Janord, uh doing you know what we thought they would be doing as leaders of this offense. And then on the back end, you look at a guy like Brennan Greenwald, Sean Quinn. That's a two-headed monster on defense, and those guys aren't the biggest in the world, right? 
uh, but they play so much bigger than they are. Um, and and this, I don't think a lot of people realize, this Drexel team play Villanova next week, uh, or, excuse me, this Saturday. And that is going to be one of the more intriguing matchups this weekend. You have 80% uh, success rate on the man down for both of those teams. They're tied for first in the, in, in the nation. So they both have the best man down defense in the country, 80%. They're going up against each other on Saturday, a uh, little Philadelphia battle uh, as well. So that one is uh, definitely, definitely one kind of under the radar game, I guess you could call it, to watch this weekend uh, and, and see Drexel if they can take this uh, winning streak to five games. I know they haven't beaten necessarily uh, Villanova in a while. Let's go find the history between these two. I know they did not play last year because of the uh, restrictions there from Villanova, uh, but they normally had played pretty regularly um, before then. Okay, so yes. Okay, that's what I thought it was. Drexel has beaten Villanova the past couple times, uh, but they went a while without uh, beating them as they were one and eight, one and nine from 2010 to 2018 against the Wildcats, and then they get the win there in 2015 and uh, 2019, excuse me, and then do it again <clears throat> in 20. Uh, 20, uh, getting the 15 to 12 win. Um, and that was the, um, that was at St. Joseph's when they did the Philly four classic the last year, they did that. Um, I think both of those were in the Philly four classic, if I'm not mistaken. Cause I think Drexel hosted one of the games, uh, 2019, but, uh, you know, all in all going to be a good matchup there between those two. Uh, Another mid-major team defense that I wanted to mention is the Wagner Seahawks. The, the Wagner Seahawks. So, look, they're 2-3. Haven't gotten a lot of notoriety, obviously, uh, with their record being what it is. But, look, uh, Wagner, this is the first time they've gotten two wins in a season since 2019. Uh, so, I think I mentioned that on uh, Sunday's podcast, uh, but I did not mention this little tidbit here. So, uh, Wagner ended the season, I mean, they, they were one of the worst defenses in the country last year. Of the teams that played, they were the third worst defense in the country. Third worst defense in the country. They returned Matt Morris. Um, at the Ellison spot. And then you also got in Tommy Scarpello is there. And Danny Brady is back in cage. Um, so Matt Morris, Tommy Scarpello, Danny Brady, all return uh, at close. I think I said Matt Morris at Ellison. He's defenseman. Uh, but they returned all, all three of those guys. And then Matt Morris was a guy who transferred in from Stony Brook prior 
to last year. They get another Stony Brook transfer, and this year Danny Cassidy comes in, um, and he's shined so far. Uh, 14 ground balls for him, five cause turnovers uh, to help lead the way for that Wagner defense. And this Wagner defense, they played Mercer over the weekend, and um, it got a really big win, 13 to four on Saturday. Uh, held the Bears to his one goal in the second half alone to secure the win. Uh, and this Wagner defense is, and let's check the uh, the last time I checked it, they were top three or top five. I don't, I've not checked it this uh, this Monday here yet. So okay, they're number six now. Whereas, so Michigan and, and Georgetown tied for fourth. So yeah, the 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 sixth, fifth best team uh, defensively right now in the country, holding their opponents to nine goals uh, per game. And while Wagner hasn't played the most aggressive schedule, um, for a team that gave up, it was double digits, 14-some-odd goals a game last year. Uh, to have this turnaround uh, defensively, I don't care who you play, uh, that, that is, that's very impressive, very notable. Turnaround there from the Seahawks on the defensive end. So congrats to Wagner on that one. Last little thing here before we preview the uh, move on to Tuesday's games and then the one game on Wednesday and preview that one I uh, did want to mention, I did not mention this on Saturday, uh, on Sunday's podcast. Was it Sunday when their game was? Yes, yeah, Sunday. Uh, Navy. Navy getting the win over Colgate. I don't think I, I mentioned the, the it was 11 to 10 uh, victory. I did not mention much about it. Um, heavy midfield performance again from Navy where Patrick Skaliak, uh Dane Swanson with six and five points uh, a piece there. Five uh, one for uh, Scalniak, Swanson two and three there on the day. Uh, Max Hewitt also had two goals, so that starting midfield unit having thirteen points on the day. Also, uh, what I did not mention, uh, Xavier Arline, uh getting his first start in college lacrosse. Uh, the Navy quarterback. Uh, Obviously, was a you know who I'm talking about. You know he was. I think he was uh, the Nassau County uh, Player of the Year, uh, Athlete of the Year, whatever they call it. Um, was Mister Lacrosse on Long Island? Um, it might have been a Nassau County thing. I'm not exactly sure, but a lot of notoriety coming in as a high school recruit. Uh, was originally committed to Carolina for lacrosse, uh, but then flipped, uh, decommitted later, flipped to. Uh, Navy to play both football and lacrosse. Didn't play lacrosse last year as a freshman. Hops over this year as a sophomore. And he gets himself a goal in this one. Um, and like, it's exactly how we thought it was. Out there dancing around, breaking ankles uh, f- from behind the cage, putting it in. Uh, so, you know, he had one goal on 11 shots in his debut. Six shots on goal, one ground ball. Um, so, you know, his, his debut there with Navy, or not debut, but his, his debut as a starter 
Um, he had played in that Lehigh game, was his first game, uh, took three shots, had one ground ball in that one. Uh, but obviously getting the start here on Sunday against Colgate. We'll see how he continues to trend upwards. Um, and this Navy team in general, how they continue to trend upwards in a Patriot League that you know, maybe starting to come into their own a little bit, um, possibly. You know, Lehigh uh, got some guys back from injury. They're now Cold Coast, uh, probably most notable one. They're back from injury for the uh, Mountain Hawks at the midfield spot offensively. And so, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how Lehigh continues to progress. Loyola gets the big win over Duke. And really, uh, you you don't want to say it was a a season-saving win, but um, possibly could have been because you know, a lot of times you see get a big win, a momentum-changing win. Uh, so, you know, big one there for the Greyhounds and uh, Boston U playing well, Army playing well, uh, Navy and uh, a couple other teams looking like they're going to be right there in the mix where we thought they were going to be uh, maybe on the back end of that, uh, you know, top, what is it, top six, I believe, that go to the uh, go to the Patriot League tournament because they have the quarterfinals and the semifinals. So uh, I think it's the top six, I want to say, uh, that go there. Uh, they have uh, they have nine nine teams in the conference. So, yeah, Navy with, with, with a good one there. Xavier Arline, notable uh, for him playing in that one. Now, <clears throat> to go over, you know, moving on to the uh, Tuesday matchup here. Uh, let's, let's get into this. Bucknell and Penn State. The Nittany Lions will travel to the Bucknell Bison at 4 p.m. ESPN Plus broadcast on Tuesday. For, uh, do we want to call this a rivalry game? I I think I will. And this used to be, like, there was a time when these two teams played each other, top 10, uh, whatever teams. Neither team ranked coming into this one, uh, and both coming off losses. So that is interesting in itself. Obviously, Western PA. Is Bucknell Western PA? Pennsylvania battle. Um, not picturing where Bucknell is on the map right now. But um, Pennsylvania battle, there, I believe Western PA battle uh, between these two squads. Penn State coming off a, uh, a you know, you don't want to say a loss is good, but uh, off a loss to Cornell uh, in which they fought. And look, I think this is a Penn State team. And, you know, we've talked about it on here that has – continued to develop, right? They're two and five. But when you look at this, obviously St. Joe's a bad loss, right? Um, there, you lose, the, uh, you beat Yale. Your losses to Villanova, Vermont, St. Joseph's, you bounce back against Yale, as I mentioned. You lose by one against Penn, and you lose by one against Cornell. 
Uh, their last three games have been against teams that are in the top 20 right now. Uh, teams that were in the top five when they played them, Penn, uh, Cornell in the top five. Again, this week, Yale, I think, is at uh, – Yale is like 12 or something like that. Uh, so still a top 15 squad there. Um, and so, you know, and, and that was a stretch where after that Vermont loss, you looked at this and said, okay, this is a this is a tough stretch where Penn State probably only has one win in that stretch. And I think a lot of people pointed to, you know, a lot of people pointed to Vermont of, in that stretch um, after the Villanova loss. But, you know, St. Joseph's w- w- was a possibility as well if they could get the face off right. Um, and look, they, they lose by two in that one. I don't think a lot of people, you know, Yale, we've mentioned Yale is still uh, growing up, but I don't think a lot of people saw that one coming. I, I, I didn't expect it. I had picked Yale to win that one. I thought they were going to win, um, not sizably, but I thought they would win it. I didn't, you know, 10 to 6 uh, Penn State win. I thought that's probably what it would be the other way around, similar to that. Um, and then I didn't expect Penn State to be, you know, those games against Penn are always tough, but I didn't expect it to be a one-goal game. And then, which I think is the second time in a row, it's been a one-goal game. Last time was in overtime um, in 2020. I can't remember who won that one. Um, it was at uh, Franklin Field. That was an overtime contest as well. And then they go, and a game that no one saw unless you were there, and uh, Hubble Hall, Cornell, against Penn State, uh, 16 to 15. And look, that one, you saw Eric Fayok get hot. Uh, he struggled uh, inside early on in the season against Lafayette. Goes back inside against Cornell and doesn't struggle. Um, I think the key for this Penn State team in this game, these are both really good offenses. I would... You know, Bucknell hasn't been tested as much. They're coming off a big loss against Boston U. Uh, but these are both teams, you know, Bucknell with, with, with you look at Connor Davis and that offense. And then with Penn State, yeah, you know, Jack Trainer, Will Peden uh, has been a real good freshman for them. And, and we mentioned uh, earlier on this season, this is a lot of youth on this Penn State team, a lot of youth that is uh, getting a lot of minutes. And, you know, this is going to be another test for them. I think this should be a win for Penn State. Um, if we're being honest here, you know, Penn, uh, Bucknell has not done well uh, at the faceoff dot against tougher teams. I think Hudson Vaughn uh, against Nick Curado, uh can get the win there. But you look at uh, what he did against uh, Boston U w- w- was not very good. Uh, was not good against Robert Morris, which isn't the best face-off team. Um, but he's been pretty consistent, played Matthew D'Souza and Binghamton pretty well. Um, so that'll be a battle, but I think I, I would give the edge there uh, to Bond uh, and, and, and uh, Glatz also uh, being the backup guy there at Penn State. So I'd probably give the nod there. I'd give the nod in cage to Penn State to Luke Fiat. 
and uh, look, you, you got a freshman starting there, and Max Nolan for Bucknell, and he's been pretty solid. Um, but you know, this is a Big Ten team, and even though you know the young Big Ten, <laughs> the young team, um, I think they still have there's still that um, those intangibles, that that athleticism that you see. Uh, when a Big Ten team, an ACC team goes and plays some of these um, mid-majors. That's not to say Bucknell doesn't have athletes, because they certainly do. Uh, Connor Davis is one of them. And uh, that would, for Penn State, I think my biggest issue, my biggest concern would be, how is this defense going to handle Connor Davis? Because this is a guy that uh, can really get in between uh, get behind defenses, 28 goals, two assists on the U, has been phenomenal. Uh, he gets open. He moves very well off ball, gets himself open, is also a very good dodging threat as well. So uh, who Penn State puts on him and how they cover him uh, will be interesting as well in this one. Um, if I got to pick one, I, I got to go with Penn State in this one. I think they should get the win. Um, but Again, Bucknell, been an exciting team. Both of these teams are coming off of losses. Um, and this is the first time these two teams have played in quite a while. Um, it, it's been, let's pull up the history here. It's been, so they have not played since 2012, 11-3 Penn State win. And then you had those stretches in 2010, 2011, 2012. Those really good games there where Bucknell was able to get Penn State. Uh, so, you know, Bucknell, I think they're going to want this one, uh, as in Penn State, as, as Penn State. After this one, they go into Maryland. Um, and, you know, I don't think the postseason is looking, you know, good for Penn State outside. Like, like let's be honest, they're going to have to win out in the Big Ten, and they're just not going to do that. Um, they're not. So, you know, this might – honestly, this could be the last win. This could be the last win. Maryland, Ohio State, Michigan, Hopkins, Rutgers. Michigan and Hopkins I, I think will be tough uh, games. I think they could beat Hopkins. Really, especially after what Hopkins showed against Syracuse. But, I mean, you got to think Penn State, they're going to want this one. They are going to want this one. And coming out after those big games, probably have the experience factor as well. UMass in Vermont is coming up on Wednesday as well. Uh, a Wednesday, that's a 1 p.m. game, I believe. Let's check here. Yes, a 1 p.m. game. Um, I don't know if it'll be streamed or not. They don't have a stream link up for it yet, but uh, if it if it does come out, make sure to get it to y'all. Um, the again, lacrossebucket.com uh, on the schedule tab. UMass has, I, I, I want to say, kind of found their own um, as wins over Albany, LIU, and then you had a new win against Yale. Um, I I think this this UMass team, you know, 
they certainly haven't been what many thought they could be. Um, and, you know, last year wasn't very good either for them. So really not too poor or, you know, unsatisfactory uh, years in a row. Um, obviously with the last year, you're three and three right now. So they're looking to, to continue this win streak um, after a slow start. And look, if this is going to be a big win for them if they can get it. I think the toughest, you know, one, one, one of the interesting things in this game is the goalie battle there that we're going to see uh, between you know, Ryan Cornell for the Catamounts and Matt Note uh, for UMass. Got two kind of different styles, two different, uh, certainly two different looking goalies um, with uh, both being on the smaller side, though, but uh, Note a little thick and, uh, you know, Cornell uh, used to play attack in uh, middle school. So, um, yeah, little different styles there uh, between those two. I Vermont. They've got to want this one. Like they have, they have not been good this year. They've they're two and five, uh, two losses in a row to Dartmouth and Providence. Um, like they got to bounce back for this one. They got NJIT on Saturday in their America East opener. You got to think they win that, and then they got Canisius, and then the rest is their America East schedule. So, and the America East, you know, Vermont's still in play with Stony Brook not being able to play in the postseason, which is just, don't even get me started on that. Um, it's just not right. Um, Vermont's still very much, Vermont is still very much alive because of that. Um, and I'll say this real quick, Binghamton. I would just chalk them up in there as well with Vermont, UMBC, and Albany. Uh, that looks like what it's going to be for the uh, America East tournament, unless UMass Wall or NJIT has anything to say about anything. Um, but Vermont, they gotta get, gotta get going. Um, you, you know, you think back to that to that Dartmouth game. And um, offensively, they, they just didn't do a lot well. Uh, a lot of stand, not necessarily standing around, but trying to you know, dodge your way out of a slump or whatever you want to call it. Um, just one-on-one dodging. And it, that, that's not going to get you anywhere. Um, and so they gotta got to move the ball. Because when they do move the ball, we've seen it when they move the ball, and, and they're rocking and rolling. Um, you know, that offense can do, you know, can do great things. Uh, but they've got to step it up. They've got to move the ball. That really was a big problem against Dartmouth. And, look, Tommy Bird played fine in that game. Like, they had possessions. They just couldn't capitalize on them. Uh, so, against UMass, I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, is you just got to capitalize on your possessions. you got to move the ball. And uh, UMass, we've seen from these past, past couple of weeks, you know, they've got just – you know, they're pretty deep um, in terms of how many guys they can go to. Uh, and, like, they've had some injuries there. 
but you've had guys step up really each week, right? Uh, Logan Liesjeburg had three goals and two assists there as the leader against LIU. Uh, when you were against Yale, you had Gabriel Prosit and Mike Tobin, uh, who stepped up in that game. Uh, Mike Tobin, his brother, actually out. Uh, I believe he's still out. Kevin Tobin uh, for the Minutemen. And he's, so he stepped up. And then you saw a similar thing against Albany with Prosik, Tobin, Mike Tobin, and Leisureberg as your leaders there. But then you got guys like Shane O'Leary, uh, Grant Brio that, that can get in there as well. Uh, some guys off the bench, James Cadigan, um, a guy transferred from Colgate. So this is for me. I I I just want to see both these teams play good because, like, what I've seen from these teams has not been spectacular. UMass has been a lot better the past couple of weeks for sure, um, and they seem like they've kind of gotten things going, especially offensively. Um, I think Vermont should have the edge at the faceoff dot, so we'll see if they can turn those possessions into goals. They couldn't do it last week. Um, if they can do it this week, that's going to be a game changer for them and, uh, you know, possibly a, a big win for them, momentum win as they, you know, march towards America East play. UMass, they will, after this one, they're off for a week and then they play Brown. So uh, you have another big one after this at Brown before you get into your CAA play. And look, as I mentioned Speaking of Drexel, uh, back at the beginning of this podcast, uh, the CAA is not as strong as they were last year, certainly. Um, you know, I think Delaware and Drexel are probably the top two teams. And then, look, UMass, Towson, Hofstra, like, who, Fairfield, you know, who's going to be those next two teams to make it in the uh, CAA tournament? And we know. Uh, crazy athletic association is what those uh, what those letters stand for. Anything happens in this conference, uh, so certainly getting a, a a third consecutive win against Vermont, and then if they can parlay that into what would be an upset over Brown, uh, two good opportunities to build momentum for UMass heading into CAA play. All right, folks, that is it for today's episode. A bit shorter than usual. Uh, but not a ton to talk about here uh, as, here on Monday night in the college across world as uh, week seven is upon us. I'll be back on Thursday and we'll be going over the weekend that will be. And I'm excited for this one. Um, gonna be huge. Huge weekend ahead of us. Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C. Y'all already know. Uh, Stats for next time, though. As always, stay tuned. Uh, locked into at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.